What do you mean? What do you mean agenda, Jason? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> this agenda? Is, well, this isn't officially our podcast today, so I thought maybe there might be some agenda. <laughs> we, we just steal podcasts. <laughs> so we got Ron. How do you say your last name? Bame, like like name with a B. Bame. Bame. But he's horrible at the name. How game. in the hell? Like, I know. It's, I look it's, at that name when I, it's on my screen. It's Bim. And I'm like, how? You want to go? We go <laughs> yeah. full German. We could speak German. <laughs> See, I had an unfair yeah. advantage because my dad's girlfriend's last name is Bame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they might be related. I don't know. <laughs> we are. So we. we, <laughs> we are. <laughs> Sorry, off the track, man. I, I give up. I'm done, man. I can't keep up. So if you're listening to this section right here, um, Ron, we're doing a podcast, and and we're going to do it on your podcast, which is the Hunting Dog Podcast. And depending on how it comes out, and, you know, and if, if it's good, uh, we'll run it on our podcast too. We, we're, we're lined up right now. And so anyways, we just wanted to give a quick little audio intro and on why you're listening to it. Um, we're probably not going to do the, how many minutes do you do on your, on your, uh, so when you first, when you were like, Oh, can we meet fit 10 minutes early? I was thinking you had to go through your sponsors. Cause you got a bunch of sponsors and stuff. You go, you oh, I about. do that separately. <laughs> I, I'm just I messing with any, you, Ron. I, I wouldn't make anybody do that. <laughs> I like, I mean, I, I, I like it, but I was like, Oh, he wants to get there 10 minutes early so he can start rolling his sponsors. And then we, me and Jason will come in and you're like, Oh, Hey, we're ready. But, but anyways, long story short, this podcast that you're listening to, if, if, if we launch it on W's podcast, it has been aired on Hunting Dog Podcast. And uh, if you haven't listened to the Hunting Dog Podcast, I encourage you to. If you heard our podcast over there, sorry, you're just going to have to listen, listen to, to it again. again. Yeah, listen to it again. Probably a good one. It was Everybody, so good. We launched it again. Yeah, exactly. Everybody we're, needs we're, downloads. That's seconds, please. We'll take seconds. <laughs> Easy now. Easy. (laughs) Uh, W Hunting Supply reached out to me a while back and said, Hey, Ron. He said, let's let's partner up here and uh, and become one of your sponsors. And I kind of questioned their sanity at that point. And because I usually have to beg people to come on and be a sponsor or, or it takes about 10 emails to get it. And uh, Jason started off the conversation. Buddy came on with me one day on the phone and said, yeah, we want to do it. And as it actually turns out, um, I think I was the second path of resistance, right? You, you lost your main podcast sponsor, and, and you said, let's go to the next biggest one. Was that how it went, guys? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Buddy well, says we got money, go spend it. So I'm just like, hey, well, let's call this guy. <laughs> The truth so, is, is I didn't think in the in the day I was like, man, podcast. What the hell's a podcast? Like, I, was, he didn't I was know what they were. Podcast. You know, but he had no clue. Well, not many anybody does. And but what I want to get is a little history of W, um, and and the sanity or the lack thereof picking the name because I've already had three people write me that they can't find your website because <laughs> they're they're using the W letter from the alphabet oh, yeah. to google it uh, yeah what, what what who started that jason or buddy yeah that'd be buddy i'm not claiming that at all oh you know i've i've, I've explained this so many times this is this is the real reason i'm i'm on your podcast ron <laughs> so i can stop explaining this Go story <laughs> we just get this out there for everybody and i don't have to explain it so 
I've had, I've, I've spelt the word W so many times. Cause like, I don't understand W. I'm like, no, no, no. Start. You're looking in the W's. You got to look in the D's. Like my yeah, last name really is great Woodbury. With the Dewey decimal system in library class. Too, I'll bet. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. So back when I started, you know, Woodbury, it was, it was Woodbury graphics, right? And that's what I, what, what the name was Woodbury. And so I shortened to W graphics, the, the letter, the right way your customers, the smart people are looking for me right now. They're looking at the W's. But, but there were, I, I didn't have a concept of the internet as much. It was like yellow pages. So my brain was on yellow pages and not <laughs> wanting to be at the last of the yellow. I didn't want to be in the, at the end of the book. I was like, dude, I want to be in the front of the book because that's, that's where shit happens, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's where Triple all the action a happens. supply was taken. Yeah, yeah. That's Triple where I a, was going. <laughs> so... Yeah, and that's just not genuine, right? Triple A is like, man, that's just stupid. You know, I was like, man, you know what they're doing right there. So, I wanted to be a little incognito, and uh, I, I did. <laughs> I made it. Now, now you can't find me at all. People keep can't even find me now. I've accomplished a task. I'm not in the end. I'm not in the beginning. I'm somewhere in the middle. Well, what what gave you? I mean, I I know three people now who have started, basically. You know, I don't know them all real well. Some I do know well, some I know peripherally. What makes somebody, dis- is it because you want free gear in the beginning or close to free? Or what? what's the thought process to starting? The starting like, a business, the, the yeah. hound supply? Yeah, because yeah. I was a broke houndsman and I wanted cheap. <laughs> so I was okay. like, well, I, I st- so it, uh, it all started with decals. I don't know if you guys in, in Michigan, if you got the kids that put decals on the windshield. Sure. And you know what I mean? And so I was one of the big decal kids. I had, I had a little four wheel Ranger and, and we, we always put redneck off road on top. And, and so, I mean, we had to buy them damn decals. They're 45 bucks a piece or whatever, you know, 65 bucks a piece to get redneck off road, you know, across the top of my truck. And then we'd all have a little tagline. Each one of my buddies would have a different tagline. So, so one of us was like, drive like you stole it. The other one was like, mine was, if you could read this, roll me over, but it was upside down. And, uh, you know, a couple other people just all had different taglines. It was kind of like a group or whatever. Well, I was looking at it going, shit, we're paying 65 bucks a windshield. You know, four of us, five of us, we we almost had a quarter of the sticker machine. You know what I mean? I was like, well, we got $500 here. We put in windshield decals. Maybe we just go buy the machine. And so I bought the machine and we started cutting decals and I was going to make a a million dollars selling stupid window decals. (laughs) He didn't well, quite I thought, make it. I thought, I thought it was going to be a better story than that. <laughs> That's it, man. It's all I got. That's <laughs> redneck off-road stickers on windshields. That's what started the whole train wreck. And I, if I could go back and change things, I would, Ron. I, 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 something, I, I have this picture in my mind that then you and your three buddies were like, hey, you know what? We ought to buy some of that material and make our own dog leashes. And then we ought to buy our own... <laughs> chains and make tie out stakes and no i mean is is that it (laughs) no i had i had a a hound i got into the hound yeah i had a real job i worked at intel i was a product development engineer you you think i'd be smarter than (laughs) you think i'd find a better job man but (laughs) nope i'm I'm not we uh we we went and it was just it was just you got the dog and i had this dog and i don't i I don't know who you're sponsored by or not, but hopefully not Inotech. But back in the no. day, I, good, good, because 
Enotech was not the collar to get back then. And I, I bought that Enotech collar like three or four times because I'd lose the collar and I'd have to buy it. It's one of them ones where you get in a crappy system and and it didn't really work. You know, back in the day, you'd push the button and the dog would be 150 yards away and it just didn't work. I mean, like, and, and I had a, a dog slip the collar and lost it. And I was so pissed because I had to buy another shitty collar that didn't work. You know I mean? You're committed. You're like, damn, I got this system. We call that pot committed, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm full commit now. I got to stay in this stupid system. Well, finally, I think after the second or third collar of buying an Inotech that didn't work, I mean, I bought a bunch of them because I lost them. I was like, man, I want one of them Tritronic systems because that was, they were a good system. But I couldn't afford them. You know, they were a couple hundred bucks. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I played the, oh, I got a business license and, and, uh, you, you know, signed it. up for, yeah, I, dude, honestly, I, I, Tritronics, I mean, they must have wanted anybody because they signed me up as a dealer so I could get dealer costs on it. And, uh, funny story, I went to Garmin too and I, I told them too and they told me to pound sand. They were like $20,000, $20,000 intro, you know, if you get you, initial order. And I was like, well, see you later. <laughs> Thanks I'll be over here. So okay, so, yeah. buddy. How many how many years ago did you did you start this this endeavor? I had to be like two thousand three, two thousand four is when I started that. Um, two thousand twelve is when I got serious. You know what I mean? That's when I quit my job and and W was legitimate. But before then, I was just a kid trying to You're make just mistakes. trying to make your mark in the world. You're just trying to pee higher on a tree from some other dog <laughs> exactly exactly it's just whatever it was it I, I i was just looking at the small picture and trying to save you know 25 dollars off of a system or 30 dollars off a system here and and it just kind of built off of that gotcha jason what was how what how did you dive into this well i i was his competitor for i don't know four or five years i um no, just in the dog supply stuff. <laughs> Smarter I, I used than that, to work Ron. For, come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> I worked for um, Toyota Motor Corps for a while and uh, had a career-ending back injury. So during all that time, I thought, man, what am I going to do to make some money? And I had, like you had thought, well, shoot, I can get discounts on stuff and hook my buddies up, and I got to find a way to afford to keep hunting. Mm-hmm. So called and ordered some stuff and was approached about becoming a dealer. And uh, thought, it annoys me, Ron. Garmin didn't give him the same $20,000. No, they did not. They liked me better. I was nicer. They they told me you order, uh, what was it? Six units a year. And I thought, well, I can sell that tomorrow. So we got hooked up with Garmin and it went from just, you know, selling stuff at field trials and hauling a little 10 by 10 trailer somewhere and just selling on site to online sales and primarily you know, people calling. It was real small scale compared to what this is now, but it set me up for the roughest and most beneficial job interview I ever had. Probably I, I interviewed for this place for what, five years. <laughs> and finally I had just had enough. I couldn't handle it anymore Too got too big, too fast. And I said, I'm so, selling this thing. I'm done. And in so steps, you, buddy. <laughs> it, were you guys already hunting buddies together? Houndsmen together? No. We're still not. <laughs> First time I took him out hunting, we, he, we were starting on, Ron, and 
funny you mentioned that. And I was like, okay, we're trying to be nice. So we take him out and I run over his dog with my truck. I'm like, that's a great way to new employee. Um, Not I bad. I didn't kill the dog. In. I just say I didn't kill the dog. Okay. It just, it just got his little toe run over and it squealed and whined. But yeah, she made it. We had to huh. pick some pit rock out and, and flush a wound, but yeah, she was all right. But that was our first trip and we've never been hunting together since. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> You make oh. you make you make better business partners than hunting partners, huh? Yeah, yeah. right. He sends yeah. me nice things. You know, <laughs> he's good to me. We'll put it that way. So, so, so what Jason, about you? Uh, I'm going to interview you a little bit here too. But what what made you start Hunting Dog Podcast? You know, it was my affiliation with Steve Ranella and doing those shows with him. For the first one was the Wild Within and. And then he went to, that was just an eight series show. And then when he started making the meat eater, I mean, it was on a real, real budget. You know, it wasn't yeah. like it is now. And so he would literally call me up every year and say, hey, can you drive to Montana? Can you come to here? Can you bring your dog? We, we need someone out there to do some, some small game hunting on the show. So you're saying he was faking it back then and you were part oh, of the, the production? Just, just like all of us. Just like <laughs> exactly. all of us. Right? I yeah. was just faking with stickers and, 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 and Garmin and Innotech, you know, dreams. So, so you're just basically faking it back then with, with Steve Renault. Oh, I, I, I could tell you, I remember the first book he sold. I, I don't know how many years out of college he was. And he used to work for me, you know, as he got out of high school and, and his brothers worked for me. So I was really tight with the family and he calls me up one day. He says, Hey, my first book's coming out and I'm going to be in Grand Rapids. I'm going to I'm going to come back to Grand Rapids, which is the big city near us. He says, yeah. I'm going to be at a B. Dalton Booksellers. I don't even think there was the uh, Barnes and Nobles around yet, right? Yeah. And he said, could you bring a couple of the guys that used to work for you that know me and come there? And I says, yeah, but, you know, none of us read, you know? And he says, no. <laughs> he said, I don't he care. Says, I just want warm bodies there, man, just to make a soft flow. Right. And we get to B. Dalton Booksellers, and there's about – you know, 20 chairs sit up there and he's got a little podium and he's got his books on display and he's ready to sign them. And the only people that were there is me and the guys from my crew. You know? <laughs> and so I think all the beginnings are very humble, but oh yeah, the, pod the podcast started from an episode we filmed in Texas. And he basically told me, he says, Hey, he says, honestly, don't, you know, he says, I know, I know you're going to start drinking beer when we're done hunting, but try to kind of kick it back a little bit. He says, we brought recording equipment and we're going to, we're starting a podcast and we're going to record one at the kitchen table. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I thought you needed a studio, you know, just like I would think if you needed, if you're going to start a hunting supply company, you'd want a business background in you know, retail, but apparently yeah. that's not. No, no, you don't. Stickers and mistakes. <laughs> we didn't is good do enough it. For <laughs> no. And uh, it just shows you if you keep banging your head against the wall, it'll work. Right. But oh, yeah, we got done doing that, hung up the headphones and he had a, he had a nicer unit than I use, you know, but it was a big portable recording unit. And then I, I, I really thought, cause I was a big podcast listener. I really thought you needed a, an engineer and a studio and, you know, like radio. And I was like, you can do this. If I could do this in a kitchen table, I can do it on the tailgate. And I literally told him, I said, I don't, I'm not trying to compete with you, but as soon as I get home, I'm going to figure out how to start my own podcast. Obviously, it's going to be about hunting dogs, bird dogs mostly. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so literally we both launched in January 2015 and uh, he's went around the earth about eight times and I think I got as far as California so far. But <laughs> He's but, kicking your ass in the pod, in the ratings is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Barely. Barely. You're a close second. You're almost there. I, I can feel it, Ron. Just keep going a little better, a little farther. It's right. <laughs> And so really, that's how I got started. I was like, wow, you could just do this. And then yeah. I wanted to tell stories about hunting trips. And I, I've never kept a good hunting log. You know, some people do, some people don't. Mm -hmm. And uh, I occasionally will write down things at the end of the year that I did with my dogs and friends. And uh, so it, it ended up, I said, you know, this is a good way of like, my grandkids someday can listen to this. It'll be on the internet forever. And they'll at least know what their goofy grandfather was like. And uh, it just turned into, I have plenty of contacts in the dog world, and it turned into uh, one sponsor, two sponsors, three sponsors. Four. It just turned into it. It took a couple of years, and um, sometimes being first is best. And to my knowledge, and everybody tells me it's the biggest one out there other than anything put out by the uh, Meat Eater Incorporated when it comes to the outdoors. So, yeah, I got pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah no, I'm always... Um like you talk about that, that humble beginnings, you know what I mean? Like everybody sees these things, these conglomerates, you know what I mean? Whether it's meat eater, whether it's like W they see sometimes, you know, I'm not saying I'm on that same level, but they see these brands and, and even Garmin and you don't see the steps behind the brand. You don't see the people, the faces, the work that it took to sure. get there sometimes. And so that always, I'm, I'm always fascinated with, with the steps and the people and the processes yeah. behind the, the brand or the, the, the success. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of failure back there. You know what I mean? Like I, I, oh, God. I just know I'm like, man, there's a ton of failure behind that guy. I can tell you that right now. There's some mistakes, at least if he's like me, you know, and that's like meeting dog people. You, you meet somebody. I, I remember meeting, um, Dick DeCam. He was a friend of mine, a fellow judge back in the day. And he let his dog out of the tailgate and it behaved, you know, I let mine out and it was running around like a ninny. It's the same thing. You're like, you meet somebody, you're like, what did it take to get there? And you just yeah. had no idea what, it, whether it's in business or your first dog, both yep. ventures are just like being a first time parent. You don't know what the hell you're in for. Yeah. So, um, but now W is, you know, I'm saying it's, I don't know the size of it, but I'm told by one source that you sell more more collars than anybody else on the country. Is that true, or is that is that a a, a rumor? Uh, that's a rumor, probably <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I, well, I got to call my friends to have. I got five seats. I can't fill two of the seats right now. I'm still I'm still faking it, Ron. I got I got to call friends together. No, we. Well, I'd say know, we're in a top five account for Garmin. If, you know what I mean? Like, if in the dog world, I'd say we're top yeah, five account. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'd, I'd be comfortable saying that. I wouldn't say not. You know, everybody has their, um, you know what I mean? Like, their specialty in in the. So if you talk like Gun Dog Supply, Lion Country Supply, Outdoor Dog Supply, us and maybe Conkeys, right? So we really we really hammer what I call resonate. I say we resonate in the big game world. So big game hounds is where we resonate. That's, that's our bread and butter. Right. Steve, Steve, uh, you know, at lion country, you know what I mean? They, they got the Northeast and they got bird dogs and, and uh, right. gun dog supply. 
they're they're coming out of the bird dog world and and Steve does a much better job of coming out of the pet world you know what I mean if you really look at it I think he he taps into that pet world a lot better than than a lot of people mm-hmm. um, outdoor dog supply you know comes in from the running dog the beagles the you know the the field trials and so when you look at those at the the micro business we sell a lot of collars so I would I would say we're probably close on collars because a lot of our guys are you know twelve dog packs you know what I mean they, yeah. So, so we buy one system with 12 callers and, you know, it's a good business. Yeah. <laughs> it's good customers to have whenever it's like, eh, I get one customer, but that customer's got a lot of dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you your know. average, your average bird dog guy might have two dogs, right? Exactly. So, Steve, so we always joke with Steve, I'm good friends with him, but I'm like, man, you got to go find, a, you know, 10 customers to, to keep up with my one. Right. But his guy might have a lot more Delta and more, more training and, a lot, you know, the bird dog guys are buying different stuff. So his yeah. sales would look different in the collar. So you wouldn't want to compare my TT15 collars with his right. because naturally I'm going to sell a lot more collars, but he would kick my my ass in some of the training stuff, the Pro 550s, the the stuff that the, the bird dog guys, I mean, bird just, he'd, he'd throttle yeah. us, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be embarrassed to share what I sell to him. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I won't talk about it. Well, so – now both now both of you are houndsmen still, or or Jason, yeah. are you still on medical leave? No, I'm back to running. Yeah, we never quit. I just couldn't do uh, I couldn't do the hiking when I was injured. So I had a buddy. Fortunately, at the time for me, he had a Dewey, so he couldn't drive. So I drove the taxi cab, and he hiked for dogs, and it worked out fairly well for about a year and a half. I've had, some but no, I yeah. I keep running dogs. What 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 do you run? What type what type of hounds? Uh, most of mine now are foxhound crosses. Like people call them running dogs, running walker, and tree dog crosses. Gotcha. And we run mainly gray fox and some bobcat. And is that because of the rules for bear and mountain lion? You guys can run lion though, right? Or no, not where you're at. No, in Oregon they they outlawed it back in '94. We lost all of our bear and, and lion season with dogs and bait. So. Yeah, I mean, really, it came down to we were bear hunting with a group of friends that got me started in California. So we ran down there for a couple of years. And then, you know, 2012, California outlawed it again. So I just made the switch. I said, I'm done. I'm just going to go to chase environments and not have to drive to Arizona or Idaho or wherever. I want to go to run a bear, but I miss it. That's for sure. I mean, I would love to be able to go back to it. I mean, even Buddy, he's got to come down to Oregon to to do his bobcat hunting, you know? Yeah. Buddy, where are you at then? I'm in Washington, right? But I'm I'm really close to the Oregon border. So most of my, like right now, I got a camp set up in in Oregon, and I'm going to head back. I think I'm going to go there tonight and stay the night and then wake up in the morning and hunt. Um, And you're going to go chase, what, bobcats, you said the other day? Yeah, bobcat. So I, I... so the way I I describe it is, is raccoons are the only thing legal in Washington. I don't break off of raccoons, but I don't necessarily target. You know, it's not something I go hunt raccoons. Mm-hmm. I just don't stop my dogs from from catching or training raccoons because it's the only thing legal for me in in the state. So if I if I have to to hunt, that's what I ended up doing. But I go over to uh, Oregon and I bobcat hunt, um, and then I also um, don't break them off of cougars lions and so i i do a lot of they, they they do pretty good for me on on that whether i'm working for um a biologist sometimes i'll go help them or whatever i mean there's a lot of work i want to try to do more with those on the cougar stuff you know you sent me buddy you sent me a couple pictures a few days ago 
that you 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 got a call for. I don't know if that was the game commission or a biologist, but you guys had a had tranquilized a, a, a cougar, right? Yeah, yeah. Do, so do yeah, so a lot of times that's what I, you know. What I really enjoy doing is working on the science stuff and and working either with a biologist or a, a game department. Where I mean, what's cooler than watching a cougar get tranquilized and get worked on the ground? That, there's nothing cooler than that for me. Yeah, I, I've I've had my hands on one dead one in my life, and I was probably, believe it or not, I was about 15 years old. My buddies and I got into taxidermy because their uncle was a taxidermist and he literally had an extra, a guy had, I don't know the rules. I don't know where they got him from, but he had two, he had two mountain lions and we were, we were pretty good amateur taxidermists and his uncle gave us a mountain lion and we ended up mounting that and it ended up going on display at uh, at a, at a school in Illinois that the team was the Cougars. And uh, that was the only time I've seen one and I've never wanted to see one, but I'm trying to picture that does do the dogs care like if they're running a bobcat and they run up a, a mountain lion do the dogs look at them and go like oh shit or is it all the same to the dog you know um the intensity because they normally see a cougar up there a lot of times so yeah often they can see the cougar and the intensity is a little bit there's a little more intensity there like or or if they you know, happen to catch one on the ground if it bays up on a rock or a cliff or something like that. Yeah, there's definitely some some intensity there that is hard to hard to describe. You know, for the dogs, there's some adrenaline there. You, um, you, but you can see the difference in the dogs. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, yeah, obviously, I can see the difference from when I sh- when I'm listening to when I show up. The, the dog intensity changes when I show up to the scene. You know, what I mean, my dogs. It, it's. I mean, I'm sure you. I'm. I would imagine I've never been behind a bird dog, but I would imagine if you spend a lot of time with your bird dog, when he's pointing, and when you show up, that dog is probably, bam, he starts. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, dad's here. You know what I mean? Like this is it. I, I don't know if that happens or not, but that's what happens with my dogs at a cougar tree or a, a bobcat tree. Is is I'll hear him treeing. They're telling me, hey, we caught it, we caught it, we caught it. They're they're barking at the tree. And when I, when they hear me or smell me or whatever it is, I'll get within a couple hundred yards and I can see them start to turn it on. Like, Hey, we better put on a show for dad or, or whatever it is. I don't know what they're doing, but yeah. <laughs> they're probably like, we better, we better make it look good. Cause if, if it's not, he's going to be mad. But so it's kind of like working know. when you know, he's watching, you got to do a better job. So yeah, that, that's how it works. Do you see that with your dogs? I mean, when, when, do you see your dogs, you know, no. they're pointing, so they're being still, but what I can see, like, the other, uh, this is last fall. There was a, an anchor man uh, from a news channel in Kalamazoo that got a hold of me. And he had moved here for, you know, news guys are like, they move all over the country until they end up getting on the nightly news somewhere. And he had, had he was in Wyoming and someone took him bird hunting and he listened to my podcast. He said, Could you take me out grouse and woodcock hunting? Yeah. And it was a little early and this spot was, you know, marginal, but I thought we'd get into a few birds. But going to where you can tell your dog, like, to me, if the dog's pointing a, a bird on the ground, there's pretty much no, it, not with every dog, but the dogs you can trust, like you guys with hounds, some of them you can trust more than others, obviously, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Bravo had been on point, and if there's a bird sitting there, he is what we call completely staunch, meaning he ain't, he is not going to move, even if I get close to him, where... 
A younger dog might move up and cause the flush if he's not steady or anything. But when Bravo all of a sudden circles or moves or repositions himself, it's not, it could be a snake, it could be a turtle, it could be a raccoon, a possum, a skunk. It's something else besides a bird. Really? And, and, and that's only when I walk up to him. And I saw him run around this, this grass pile. And I'm like, well, that ain't a bird. Well, for one thing, you know it's not a bird because a bird won't take that kind of pressure. If that yeah. dog starts moving, bird's going to be in the air, right? And I told the guy, I said, it ain't a bird. And all of a sudden, he reaches in. These Broncos are not known for their fur drive. He reaches in, and it's about a, I don't know, probably nine, 10-month-old coon. And, uh, and, and it commenced to get, it commenced to getting really, really, really loud, really quick. But yeah. the, uh, the 80 pound Bravo, uh, overcame the eight month old raccoon. I don't know what he would have done on a, on a full size raccoon. I think he might've got his ass tore up a little bit. Yeah. They, They're sketchy. they got so, thumbs, man. <laughs> so when yeah. you come in, like your dog doesn't, don't look at you. You don't see any difference that the dog no. even... I mean, and I'm no. guessing, you know, for, for a bird, you probably don't want energy. So you, you probably train against having a ton of energy because if they're anxious, they're probably going yeah, to want to push the bird. You're, so you're a good bird dog is going to just lock up. He's so concerned about not getting too close and getting his distance right. You know how you see a, the, every picture of a bird dog has his front paw up? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's not, they're not pointing it out. They're basically right in the middle of a step, and they went like, "Whoa, oh, oh, too close!" That's right. It's right yeah. freaking gotcha. there, right there. And yeah. I've seen them do their back leg. Their back leg is in the middle of a step, and all of a sudden the back leg is hiked up. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, their thing is like once it's once they figured out the smell and how many feet away or yards away it is, and it's a lot to do with conditions. Same thing we all do with our dogs. You know, it's all the conditions, scenting conditions. Yeah, they're going to lock up. They're not a, a good bird dog is just not going to budge. But yeah. when I saw him circling, I'm like, "Oh shit. I I'm always worried about a skunk or a porcupine." <laughs> and uh and and this one was a young raccoon and it took about 30 seconds, but uh and he got a pretty good pretty good dinger on the top of his big nose, you know. Right. Um but I got a question for hounds guys. Now, for when you when you run raccoons, is your will your average? Let, I'm just going to say coon dog. Whether I don't care if it's a walker, blue, t whatever it is, um, if they can engage the raccoon without being in a tree, if they can corner him in a wood pile or you know in a in a little drainage or something, are they going to dispatch the the raccoon? Typically, are they going to kill it? Um, but probably their 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 drive is probably to. Um, not every dog, you know what I mean? Like I would encourage my dogs not to, you know what I mean? I, right. I want to be the selector of, of, of the harvest. You know what I mean? So for me, I don't, I've, I've had situations where something's on the ground and I get my dogs off of it. You know, I don't want right. them doing that. Um, I don't want them fighting with the animal. I, you know I mean? That's not my, my goal is to catch the animal in a, in a tree and, and, make my decision if that's a harvestable animal or not. You know what yeah. I mean? So now with that said, and, and there's, you know, hound guys, you know, I'll probably take some flack for this. I run a hound supply business. Used to it. 
<laughs> I just call it as I see it, and sometimes I piss people off. But we whatever. have an ongoing apology tour <laughs> with Buddy. I do a lot of apologies, Ron. I do a lot of apologies. Okay, you're gonna find that out for me. But um, I think, and I guess the best way to describe it is, is, is it was on a forum, and it was it was mentioned one time in a forum that sometimes guys use dogs to get closer to the animal or to the dog, right? And then other time, guys use dogs to get closer to the animal to kill the, the animal, right? So depending on what your mindset is, my mindset is, is I, I use the dog because I like to get closer to the dog, right? I don't really care about killing the animal. I don't care about killing a cougar, bobcat, whatever. I don't, I don't harvest very many of them. I, when I do harvest one, I try to be selective. I try to take the one I want, you know, um, you know to the objective. So if there's a cougar killing you know, animals, horses or whatever, if it's a female, yeah. or whatever, that's the cougar that we need to target. We need to kill that cougar because of X, Y, Z. Kills a kid, kill, whatever the steps are, there's reasons to harvest a, a cat. And, right. and it's not always food. But um, other than that, I, I kind of choose. If I'm out, you know, pleasure hunting, I don't really shoot very many of them. Maybe I'll take a good, nice tom. If I catch a big, nice tom, I'm like, yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice one. And I'll put one on my tag. I'm not saying everybody or whatever, people are different. But I use, I, or at least I try to check myself that the reason I like to be in with the dogs is to get closer to my dogs. You know, I get yeah. to spend time with them. I get to train them. I enjoy the dog, and I'm learning to enjoy the dog more. Now, there are people, and again, here's where hounds sometimes get a bad rap, is there are people who use a dog to get closer to the game to kill the game. And in those situations, it's... It's the dogs are efficient. I mean, they are damn efficient at what they do. You know what I mean? They are a powerful tool. And so just like we found out with birds or coons or raccoons or whatever, when you train a dog, I mean, there's nothing more powerful than that dog, you know, for helping a human, yeah. you know, target it. Whether it's a bird, you know I mean? If you're going to go try and sneak up on birds, Ron, can you do that? What that dog does, you just simply can't, right? No, no. And so... It's it's like driving yeah. a two-wheel car. It ain't it ain't going to get around real good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. He's like, well, you, you, we can try, but a dog is really efficient at it. And so um, for some reason, mammals, raccoons, especially cats, really emotional, you know, that's a really emotional uh, cougars, bears. It's an emotional topic. And so people put these associations with with oh my gosh it's this cougar oh my oh, yeah. gosh it's this bear and and so so they emotionalize the issue and then the dogs are you know when those situations come in and people use it to kill it it's it's like oh my gosh those those hound guys and those dogs just bait up it's like man it can be used wrong and just like if you're looking at birds like oh man you slaughtered the heck out of birds nobody really cares about birds <laughs> you know what no, I mean? you're, you're whack them all I, don't... <laughs> I mean but it's, unfortunately, it's just an issue that, that, that it doesn't take the same pressure that we face in big game hounds, you know what I mean, in, yeah. as far as the antis. Well, I've, I've interviewed a handful of houndsmen, and, and most of them, I'd say all but, you know, a couple. The one guy, first guy I interviewed was in, in Virginia. So I, you talk about, I never knew how many bear hunters there were in Virginia until I moved to Virginia. My God. Yeah. You get along <laughs> the foothills of the George Washington, uh, they'll they'll... Well, I'm going to go on a rabbit hole. They will live in a house that's no bigger than a trailer, but they'll have 20 dogs staked out with dog houses. Yep. And 
there is, I mean, I could not believe how many people are up there. And I, so I met this one guy, he was a cop and he said in his whole life, he's only shot two bear. Right. You know, it, but his one was when he was a kid, his, his dad let him shoot one. And then he put up, he put one up a tree that was just a really big old male boar. And he was like, okay, you know, that one, that one's going to go on the wall. That, two, that's I mean, the one for I being want. a houndsman, yeah. like there's no bird hunter that's ever going to say that. Like, yep, my dog has pointed <laughs> at least a hundred birds. And I've taken at least 300 shots at them all, you know? <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. you exactly. I mean, everybody, bam, what's, shit, I missed, bam, shoot it again. That's right. why they made semi-autos, right? Oh, yeah, no kidding. It was for bird hunters. It wasn't, it was only for bird hunters. <laughs> but J- Jason, what's your philosophy? Are you similar or are you bloodthirsty? <laughs> Not me. I I can tell you, I haven't harvested like, I mean, I'm primarily fox hunt and I haven't harvested a fox except for one in six years, five years, probably. I mean, there is an incidental where one thinks he's faster than the dogs and can outsmart him and they might, you know, catch him on the ground. But as far as selecting to harvest one, I just, I haven't done it. Um, cats, I'm kind of like buddy, real selective, but I'm no cat hunter either. When I catch a cat, it's a big deal, man. I'll tell you that because it's just not what I target and it's, it's kind of like you're just getting lucky every once in a while. And we're working towards being better at it. But, you know, I just really target one. But I'm I'm the same philosophy. I'm not a fan of taking a lot of game. I mean, if it's different when there's a population that can support it. But you got to think, if there's five guys hunting the same area and everybody takes yeah. one, next thing you know, you're three years before you see a huntable population again. Right. You know, because it, it just makes it kind of tough. But... I'm like, buddy, I do this for the dogs. And I was that guy. I mean, literally, I remember moving out from home with my parents, rented this real nice place in town. And then my buddy took me hound hunting one time. And before you knew it, I rented a place that literally we were falling through the floors. It was an old rundown mobile. Dogs tied up out back. I'm literally spending more on dog food and hunting fuel than I was on rent and food for myself. And, you know, you just did whatever you had to do to, to feed that addiction. And that's what it was. I just got totally addicted to it. Yeah. And, uh, it kind of just took over your life. Then it moves to business and like, literally we eat, sleep, breathe hounds. That's just what it boils down to. And, you know, when you guys talk about some of the States that have, you know, eliminated bear hunting, I've always said this and, and I didn't make it up, obviously, um, but you guys are like the low hanging fruit. You're the first one because of the animals you shoot. Like if somebody sees a dead raccoon on the road, they don't worry too much about a dead raccoon. They see a dead mountain lion or a bear and they're going to call the DNR, you know, and it's the yeah. same way it hits people's, you know, from the movies, from the books that from our friends at Walt Disney, you know, they gave all those characters, those per. But there's no Walt Disney cartoon out there that shows a bunch of pheasants going against Elmer Fudd. You know, it's yeah, right. They in you guys, the battle that you're in, it's almost like you have to keep that philosophy going. Yeah, and I think and, some of it is is um, when I reflect a lot about it, I'm like, man, because someone like us is a houndsman. We don't, we don't, I've always joked. I'm like, I don't really like people. Like I like dogs. Like I don't, I don't like people. I want to be up in the mountains by myself doing my own thing. And so a lot of us, you know, 
we're just up in the woods. We don't, we don't show up at the Capitol. We don't do the political stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't do that. And so we're an easy target because, you know, it's like, oh yeah, those hound guys, you know, they, you'll never see them. You know, when you do see them, they, they, they're coming to and from the woods and they look sketchy. Like they don't like seeing people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what we are, man. We come out of the woods. We're like, oh, there's people here. Let's, let me get back to my house. But, you know, so some of it, you know, is like, honestly, it's, it's like an easy target. You know what I mean? Like it's hard for us and we're starting to see organizations and they have been, but to, to, to bond and grow and, and bring that fight to the anti-hunting organizations and stuff. Right. But you know, you got to put a face to it. And, and, uh, for a long time, we, we didn't, we didn't want to do anything face. but go hunt. We just want to be out in the woods. I, I think and it I, might be because you guys don't like to shave. It also goes yeah. to, yeah. you know, yeah. you come walking out of the woods and you look like Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I definitely. get up every morning and I shave, make sure I look good when I knock on the farmer's door, you know. Somebody you was picking on me like, today about that there because uh, we, we posted a, a, a video with Clay Newcomb and they're like, oh, you're going to grab the mustache. And I'm like, dude, I cannot grow a mustache because it gets into my nose and starts irritating. I don't know how Jason does it. He's got a big old. Very thing. I, I just cut off like twelve inches off of this thing going into summer. So I got two lines, Ron. One is Jason, which is just like a big old huge like Santa Claus beard. Yeah. I can't handle that because I get too itchy. And if I shave like you, my wife says I look like a dirty cop. So I'm like, gotta be right in the middle. <laughs> oh man. Well, I uh I went up I got to go up with a guy. In fact, he was on the podcast just not too long ago. And when I told him, it was right when you and I started talking about, you know, getting together and doing something with the podcast. And he's like, oh, duh. he says, that's all. That's where I get all my stuff from. I mean, he yeah. was just excited. Um, and we went up to their bear, what they called their bear camp. They found, they found a, actually it was some older guys bear camp up in the UP. And it was just a, you know, 12 by 60 trailer. And they yeah. built a roof over it because they always leak. <clears throat> and they went up to look at it. And it was mouse infested and they got rid of the mice and they fixed the plumbing. <clears throat> and I went up with my neighbor whose boy got the, a bear tag and we're expecting to see, you know, five, six guys there. And every bear hunter they knew was sleeping in the yard, sleeping in their truck. There was 30 yep. dogs tied out. There was 30 yeah. dogs. It was a, for someone to walk into that. And I'm, I like people. I'm the opposite of maybe a bear hunter. I'm like, yeah, holy cow, you guys are living like a commune. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, want, you want to know a little story on that, Ron? I'm, not, I'm probably giving away one of my trade secrets. Yeah. Was Michigan, Wisconsin. The bear hunters up there hunt in like a, a bigger party. It's it's a more social um, yeah. activity than for me. I, I'm a, I, I don't know if it's extrovert or introvert. I don't know what the word is. I'm not, I'm not a wordsmith, but I'm, I'm the guy that don't like to be with people. So whatever it is, I'm the guy out in the woods by myself. Gotcha. Whereas, in, in Michigan and Wisconsin, there's a lot of community around hunting, yeah. you know what I mean? Whether it's deer and all that, it's just a really big community, um, you know, part of, part of who, who they are anyways. Yeah. Um, so we would, we would be at these shows. We go to a, a Wisconsin bear hunters show every year. And, uh, I remember it was me and Matt, this was before Jason was, was, uh, with us here and we would do our best to turn over one of those hunters. And I mean, we, I mean, we were like used car salesmen, Ron. Infiltrated <laughs> like, hey, one person in we, that we group. Get one person. We just, we just need to get one of them to convert, right? And we'd be like, everybody follows you in the group. You know what I mean? You're the, you're the leader of your group, aren't you? And we'd pump these guys up. 
yeah, everybody else will follow you because they couldn't track each other once they went to the alpha. So we'd find that one weak link in the group. I'm probably going to piss off some of you guys. I was that son of a bitch. But we find the one guy and we get him to convert to the alpha. And then we'd get 12 phone calls later, like, oh, Jimmy got the alpha, so I got to get it. And, and we'd just like, boom, 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 boom. And then we'd go to the next group. We'd try and find that one weak link and, and we'd, we'd convert them and get them on the alpha. And that's how we kind of built the business a lot. You know what I mean? It, and we like weren't dr- doing you're it. Like drugs, you're like drug dealers. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> it sounds worse than it really was, but I'm I'm joking, making light of it. But but I know you know I remember Matt because we we brought like five alphas and we were just like, dude, we got to get rid of these alphas. Nobody's buying them because in Wisconsin and Michigan, they like you said, it was like a big compound. They all hunted together, and if yeah. one guy changed, then then nobody could track his dogs, and he couldn't track their dogs, and right. so. We had to find in, in the when we really got good. So that was the first one. When we really got good, we had to find the dogs in front. So we had to find the guy with the good dogs, because because then everybody was worried where the good dogs were. You know what I mean? Right. Who's the dogs in front? Right. You want to so get, like, oh. get the leader. Yeah. 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 You had to find the leader. That guy that had the fast dogs. And so we would we would use that to our advantage when we were negotiating. Like you, your your dog is probably the fastest in the group. He's like, oh yeah, we're always in front. Well, they just think, man. That. Just think how. Like how much of a mind mess you're gonna mess with all your friends when they can't track your dogs and they're gonna think right. they're always gonna want to know where your dogs are. So, anyway, so they'll, so, just, so they'll just go sell something out of the garage. They'll sell their lawnmower and they'll go buy a new Alpha. <laughs> yeah, no, you yeah, eat exactly. top ramen for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's crazy uh, what we go through yeah. just to make sure dogs are taken care of. I've never saw a poor looking bunch that had more equipment than me. You know, I mean. <laughs> right? They all have two trucks. They got the full-size truck, and then they got the little truck to go down the trails. Yep, yep the know? hunting truck. They're all running. They're all running the alphas. They're all, you know, they all got eight collars. They all, they actually all know how to use. I can't hardly use mine, and they can all take each other's numbers and plug them in and turn them off. Oh, yeah. And I, it was an organ. It was organized chaos, but it was, it was interesting to watch. And in fact, I was just invited by Elijah, to. Uh, come up last weekend but my daughters came in for uh labor day he wanted to take me up it was the last last saturday or sunday that they could run preseason was last weekend here yeah and and he told me he says yeah he wrote me back he says you missed it our longest walk was a mile i'm like oh i could have done that <laughs> you know and they put up yeah. i think they put three bears up or something the one day um but oh. i i i'm enthralled by i always ask houndsman this because it looks like, you know, these dogs are so independent, but there's a point where you got to be able to call them. You guys can kind of tell who's who and what bar. That always amazes yep. me too. That's this dog. That's my Trixie dog. That's your Ralph dog. Like how you guys can tell the difference. It all sounds like barking to me, but where does, where does training come in? Like obedience training, or is it just working around your dog's level of whatever cooperation it's got, or do you guys do like, Come when called. Do they heal? Could you heal them off out of there without six leashes? You know, so or is yeah. it just is that not is it not possible? So, so you're you're touching on things that that cross a whole division. You're like you're you're essentially, um, and I can't I can't remember what the word's called, but um, it's when you're you're saying everybody's all the same, generalizing, and generalizing, yeah. but um, it. 
So the answer is yes, absolutely. When I when I call, I'll be like, hey, hey, dog, let's go, let's go, let's go. My cat, let's go, leave it. And and they'll walk. I have to coach them, you know what I mean? Like I'm not going right. to be like whistling at me like, hey, come on. Dick. Yeah, I got to be like, hey, leave it. You know what I mean? I got to I gotta show some authority. I may right. have to tone them or something, you know what I mean, to get that training done. But absolutely, I, I, I don't use leashes. I carry them. I always joke that I bring them down so I can hang myself if I get too deep. <laughs> if, it's, if it's a mile and a half, I can be like, oh, I can hang myself here. But, um, yeah, so, so absolutely, we are seeing more and more houndsmen get that level of training um, that, that we can do off-leash work. I can, I can point and say, hey, check over there. And, and I'll point. My dogs will go over there and smell over for a cat. You know, if I think a cat, maybe, you know, sometimes they'll hit the road and you can't figure out where they go. I'll be like, yeah. check over there and I'll, I'll point. And so my dogs are learning to, to go check things that I point to and they'll go, if they, if they smell a cat or whatever, they'll start, you know, looking for a trail. So there's things like that that, that do start happening, but I don't want to say that that's everybody. You know what I mean? Like there, there are plenty of, um, groups that are just like, Hey, dump the box and, the dog, and that whole box explodes like a, a bunch of unruly <laughs> chaos. Yeah, they'll you know sort I mean? it out. And I'd be right there with you going, this is all chaos, Ron. I'd be like, I don't know what the hell's going on. But but because I don't I, I don't enjoy that much chaos. Yeah, I, and I think of it too, <clears throat> like when they're young, you can you know, you can well, you can teach any dog anything at any age, but when they're young and they're not ready to go tree their first lion or bobcat or chase their first fox, it'd be like there should be like a lot of yard work you can do just like you do with any dog, whether it was a, mm -hmm. you know, a herding dog or, or a bird dog or a Labrador, like all those things that we do, like, a, a, you know, like we stand them and we stack them and we get them used to our hand. You know, you ever get dog, I'm sure you guys have seen them. There's some dogs out there that when I do, when I do a test for NAVDA, you know, we have to look in their mouth. We have to do a tooth exam. And that's just breeder information because you may never see that dog again that you sold. But when we give the scores in our magazine, <clears throat> that breeder could say, oh, shit, I got two dogs with an underbite. He might not ever know that. But yeah. And I've seen dogs that we literally, I mean, we, it's not the point about getting bit, but this dog is just acting like the first time you brought a kid to the dentist. You know, he's screaming and crying. And I'm thinking oh, yeah. the same thing with a hound. Like, some of them are probably look a little bit more biddable, but some of them could be just as good if you did a lot of early hands-on, you know, combing them out, brushing them out, check their ears, check their feet, kind of making them have some impulse control as opposed to let's just go, let's just go run every day, you know? So yeah. Jason, you do that too with your dogs? Yeah. I've, I mean, I've shifted over the years. We used to show a lot competitively. We actually had the number one blue tick in an AKC confirmation ring in 2014, I think it was. I think we had three out of the top five. So we did a lot of bench shows. We did the AKC confirmation. We did UKC shows. So, I mean, we were doing, you know, you're stacking dogs up. You're teaching yeah. them not to be ducky, show their teeth. Yep. And, you know, since we stopped showing, I quit doing a lot of that, except for I can't stand, you know, a ducky dog because the perception, yeah. if I, if I come hunting with you, I know yeah. darn good and well that that dog has never been beat a day in its life. But if it acts like it, yeah. it sets this tone. And when you are the low hanging fruit, I mean, I really try to have dogs that are sociable, you know, they, they want to come over, they want to be petted, they want to touch. 
Um, but I'm big on the, the basics, you know, recall, weight is what I say. You know, when we're getting out of the box or we're coming out of a kennel, you do not do it without the command. Right. And tethering are, are kind of my big ones just to teach that. Right. But, you know, we don't teach them to shake. And my kids are really upset that I don't have a dog that'll catch a ball or a Frisbee. You know, they can't understand why we have all these dogs and none of them can play fetch. But... <laughs> It's uh, it like Buddy said. It's been a huge shift, where people have, in my opinion, we all were kind of lazy. It's like, oh, that's just what that dog does. We're just gonna let it do whatever. Yeah. Because you are beating your head against that wall, training yeah. that dog and trying to overcome right. this one hundred percent independence. But I've noticed a huge difference in that too. Like, you know, we don't. I don't carry a leash usually. Except for like Buddy said, hang myself if I get too deep. Or, you know, you get a dog that's injured or something like that maybe. Yeah. But I feel like the hunting experience has changed so much from the days of just turn them loose and hope for the best and, and settle. Where yeah. now, I mean, I've been to trees where we've had 40 dogs. You know, guys coming in from out of town and everybody ends up all together and there's not one leash used and not wow. one squabble. You just holler dogs and they, they come out and... I think it's a very valuable tool once you can commit to, to dedicating the time. The yeah. handle on a dog is just invaluable. You can't, yeah. you can't you know, replace that. Jason, you said show ring, and I'm sure some some guys you've run with would go like, you what? You went in the oh, show yeah. ring. But oh, yeah. I, when I got into... I'm one of them. I'm one of them, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I know more about Buddy's dog's pedigrees than he does probably. <laughs> right. And when I got into the these Broncos, which you, if you guys have seen picture of them, they look, they certainly look like a hound, right? Nobody thinks they're a bird. Oh yeah, right. They're cool. Looking. And this uh, this lady and her daughter got a hold of me because they saw it on Facebook, and they said, "Hey, can you come to?" The, it was a, a UKC show, and uh, they they had a couple of this breed, and they said, "God, we'd love to have another one," you know, for a first. And I was like, oh, "A dog show." But then when I saw like the manners and what it yeah. takes to take a dog around there and stop them and like I I had a, a brand new appreciation for like a, a like a dual champion dog because yeah. that dog he's got more manners than I did growing up. I mean <laughs> to be able to go through the ring, not pay attention to other dogs, not be attention to distractions, not other smells, peeing on everything. Yeah, you know, I mean just act like he was like just marching there like he's proud to be there and like really gave that cool example of and it that takes a lot of work i mean you can't first time i took my dog around the ring you know he's pulling me out of the ring and he's tripping oh, yeah. up my feet i'm like wait a minute you know how to heal uh, that ain't enough you know um, it was a different collar that's it, what i always joke around oh, yeah. say, i can put whatever collar i want on that dog and it's gonna know what it's doing that day right because yeah. you know we used to catch, I mean, when you show, I will tell you this, when you hunt and show, the hunt guys will always give you a bad time for showing and the show people are like, well, why would you take a chance? And you know, that, that's too nice of a dog to hunt. And my mindset is you're missing the entire point. Dual purpose in my eyes, form follows function. Yep. If you breed for a confirmation and temperaments and all those traits, you can you still get breed for the, the desire best. too. You can still keep Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, shoot, I had a couple of shows. We went and showed one night. 
Went out hunting later afterwards, caught a skunk and showed up the next day, sprayed dogs down with Febreze and, and won the class, you know, and everybody's minds are blown. It's like, hey, it's a dog. It makes mistakes. Why didn't you go with us? We invited all you guys to go hunting. So it was like this weird thing in the middle, but I'm with you. Like to take a dog and throw it into that situation, it gets kind of crazy and it is overwhelming, but a lot of that puppy work. The, the real hunting dogs, like the ones that really hunt, like we had a, we had a gathering in Kansas one time and there was probably 30 Broncos that showed up there from around the country. You know, not a lot of people, but about 30 dogs, which is a really good size show ring. You know, you got maybe yeah. half from male, half from female and then best. And they actually, we piggybacked with another group and they had a judge come in from Italy. And so we did, oh, wow. we did, we did confirmation and he picked, he picked the dogs that he liked the best, you know, and, uh, and gave us critique on what, you know, like my dog has too long of a back, right? Too long, but he's got other good attributes. And then we did the field work and it was a very short little 10 minute, one bird in the field. Let's just see your dog course the field, point a bird and shoot it. And the ones he picked overall, there's like 30 dogs there. And the four that he picked were all NAVDA dogs that tested and NAVDA and hunted real wild birds and went in the show ring, you know, because even in the show ring, then that hunting dog, he's got a little bit more bravado than just the dog that's never hunted. Sure. He, he's, he's also like, I know what we're going to do later. He's just got a little <laughs> more chest pump, you know. I, I get right. up in the morning and I see Johnny Bravo in the mirror every day, you know, so I... I <laughs> I, I should be in the show ring. Somebody should run me around the show ring. But anyway, I think that's really cool that you have and, and Buddy's never been in the ring. Shame on you, Buddy. Uh, hey, I uh, laughed. I, <laughs> you know, I gave up. I, was I, showed just... up I, I showed up to my buddy Don's, and he's a cat hunter. And, and he, he, he was like, what's the what do you think my best dog is? And I looked up there, and there was a big old flashy dog up there. I'm like, oh, that one right there. And then we turned loose on a cat, and that ugly ass bow-legged dog was kicking ass. And I'm like, "Well, the ugly one wins the day here." So I don't know. I don't know how to pick a dog. So sometimes, you know, if you're ugly, you got a lot more heart to make up for it. I don't know. Well, I, there's something to it, but I, I'm gonna go with Jason. Boy, if you can do both, you know, I mean, it's got it's got to excel at both too. But what he said about ducky dogs that drives me crazy too. You know, yeah. when I see someone's dog just back up and you can't pet them or you can't look at them or the owner's there, oh, you say, hey, nice dog. And you go to pet him and he, he's all jerky. It's like you, you could have fixed a lot of that. I don't mean you had to go in a show ring, but you could have done those things with the pup when they were young. Sure. I had a dog like that, though, Ron. I mean, like, and it was like a coyote little dog. I mean, I, I it it took my kids just terrorizing this dog to get done but it would be eating and i'd pet it you know what i mean as it's eating and it'd be like a little worm or something you know what i mean its back would go up and down depending on how keeping the distance between your every hand time i pet it it was like moving it was all like, like doing this weird little like wiggle and i'm like dude i'm gonna keep petting you until you stop wiggling when you eat because she's like oh i, I she just couldn't take the touch and to this yeah. day she's pretty much done if she's not ducky i can pet her but man you touch her feet and she's weird about it I, there's sometimes there's just like dogs that. are weird yeah, I got one right now. I mean, and I've said from the beginning, I told my buddy, man, this dog is just coyotish. I mean, she is like really, really not down to be touched. 
She worked with you. She just didn't like to be touched. Right. And so I, you know, she was raised in my house from six weeks, seven, eight weeks old, you know, and it's not like we didn't do what we did with every other pup, but she was just always a little off. Yeah. Until, uh, you know, I took her to the woods and it's like that flipped a switch. I don't know why, but she knew that, Hey, when we're here, this is different. And now she runs up and rubs on you and whatever. But I always wondered, like when you run into somebody, what's she going to do? I usually hunt, you know, with one person and now it's like, God, I just hope she doesn't keep that ducky because it it is, it leaves a visual impression. And I feel like you were hitting on earlier, we're fighting this stigma and it's this huge swinging pendulum where we have already made the swing back and the, the leaps and bounds that houndsmen have made over the years, as far as, you know, keeping the game in check, um, ethical practices, uh, you know, working with these these groups and legislators and trying to get that positive image. Yet you talk to anybody in Oregon and they'll tell you, oh, well, you can't run hounds in Oregon. Yeah. Which is 100% untrue. You know, we just can't run certain game. Right. So we're fighting this ignorance. Yeah. And no fault of their own. So it's like, that's where I overthink things way too much. But I think, man, one ducky dog can leave that impression so we got to do what we can yeah. see this is gonna be a two-on-one fight because i'm gonna be like i'm gonna, I'm gonna put one in for the team because there are guys out there that back in the day you'd lose dogs out in the woods and i mean i'll tell you right now my dogs would pretty much jump in your truck ron you'd pull up and be like hey my name's ron they're like hey where are we going they're gonna hop in your truck and be like let's go right <laughs> Pull ones you couldn't back catch. in the day that was a pain in the ass you know what i mean like somebody picks up your dog and takes it off the mountain that was dangerous and so uh, there was a lot of guys that trained dogs not to go around other people you know what i mean so they'd be coyote mm-hmm. and like you couldn't catch that dog if you want you know would be like poor dog that dog would be like get away from me hiding yeah. behind bushes i just want to look at you <laughs> i don't want you to touch me i just want i don't remember who just... it was telling me a story that uh there was a dog that got lost and nobody could catch it. And the guy had to like, Oh dang near put a trap out for it. You know what I mean? But, but the same theories, you just don't want people catching your dog, you know, cause they haul it off and, and you, it was much better for you just to go up in the woods and get your dog. Yeah. I suppose there'd be some of that with, with the hounds, like we're bird dogs. We, you know, we always, they're, they're kind of like wussies compared to, you know, bear dogs and cat dogs. And I, I want my dog to be, you know, if somebody sees them, <clears throat> I'd rather lose them. To somebody stealing him, then him being out there too spooky to come in for a meal and starve to death out there. You know, I I I guess I'd take that. I guess I'd take that chance. Um, I've never lost one to somebody stealing one yet, but you know, I've I've had them return to home a couple times. Like, no, no, I got them in the truck. I got just give me your address. <laughs> my dog, yeah. my dogs, my dogs <laughs> in their in their seat riding shotgun as they pull up into my driveway, you know, so, <laughs> they'll pick any truck, but yours when they want to go home. <laughs> my, I had a buddy across the street. He had one of my dogs or a dog, a breed of mine. And his dog was always roaming around, always roaming. The, you know, we're in a, we're in the woods, but you know, where everyone's on five acres or 10, Hey, shush. We're on five or 10 acres or 20 acres. And his dog, his dog went into the neighbor's house Oh, oh, it's <laughs> a dog podcast. I know. And I love the sound effects. Hey, Newt, Newt, shut up and I'll give you a biscuit. Really? <laughs> We're yeah, gonna... Just shut up for five He minutes. wants a beer, Ron. You're on... Newt, <laughs> you don't want Newt's a biscuit. He like wants this. a beer. Wrap it up. Wrap it up, Dad. Anyway, <laughs> he's, he's looking at uh, Jerry's, Jerry's dog 
went into this person's yard and they had the underground fence so the dogs wouldn't leave the underground fence, right? But yeah. his dog didn't have the collar on. So he just came into the yard and started playing with these two labs. And the two labs also had the dog door that the collar activates where you could get back into the house, right? Yeah. So as the second dog goes in, Buster's head goes under the door and the lady comes home with groceries and there's her two dogs and his dog laying on the couch together. <laughs> I had a, he's like you're talking about like, that invisible that, yeah exactly you're talking about that invisible fence I had a short hair uh, you know, in the beginning and that dog had no problem going out it would, would have no problem getting shocked on the way out like it was right. like freedom you know bam. and you come home from work or school or whatever and be sitting there like hey could you take this collar off I gotta get back I wanna go eat today I gotta get back in the yard before somebody finds it. Just be sitting there by the driveway, just like, hey, I I went for a walk, um, took myself out, but I don't really want to get shocked to get back in there. So, uh, well, guys, I said we'd keep it to about an hour, but um, I I got a feel we're gonna do this again because I, I got a feeling we could get a little sillier and a little longer real easy. Um, yeah. I do want to. I do want to thank W for for jumping on with the podcast, and uh, um, I know you're like known for being hound supplies. I'm known for being bird dog, but I'm counting on you guys to get me some some good hound interviews. Yeah, yeah, um, we, we, we'll put you together. Maybe we'll have you join not on YouTube ours, guys. It's <laughs> no, no, anybody but us. You're right. I, I want I'm still faking really, it. <laughs> I want some. I want some really interesting guys that run hounds. And it would love to come on the microphone and tell some stories because you, when I hear some guys telling the stories, you can't make a bird hunt sound exciting. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> you're, just, you're just walking and you're walking. And like, how do you make that sound exciting? But I've heard you some shoot, hounds, you miss. <laughs> yeah, you shoot. That's it. I can right? tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a quick bird story. My, my grandpa is, uh, he getting really hard to hearing and he went hunting with, uh, with his his friend right mm -hmm. and my grandpa's name is joe right and uh so i don't know if they're pheasant hunting or whatever and anyways got the dog they get out there and he's big in his shotgun and uh, he's out there and, they, and the bird flies out and he's and and he's like he's shooting and and, and the, the guy with my grandpa goes it's a hen joe it's a hen he's it's a hen and he looks over the other guy and, and he goes, don't worry about Joe. He can't hit him anyways. And so my grandpa gets under and he goes, what? He said, it's a hen, Joe. He's, oh, I thought you said shoot it again. Shoot it again. <laughs> <laughs> he said at the end of it, he's like, oh, don't worry about Joe. He can't hit him anyways. Oh, I always, I always like that. That's a good bird story. That I always, always got a good joke out of. Uh, yeah, we'll get I you lined up, man. Just go through the list. Go through uh We've got some, we've had some really good guests over the years. Yeah, I'm gonna start been... when I'm back on the road again. I'll start picking up some, or maybe you know what? Send me send me some links to the episodes you guys do your podcast, W Podcast, and yeah. send me some of the ones to listen to. I got a trip to Iowa this weekend, um, so I'll get 12 hours in the car, and uh, and then warn those. I'll guys send you that, some good ones. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, well, Ron, before we wrap it up, because we, we probably will launch this on our podcast too. So tell a little bit in case this goes on our podcast as a, you're going to post it on yours first. So that's, that's yep. where it'll be exclusive. But if, if we post it on ours, let our users know how to find you and, and you have a, 
uh, of course, you know, if we have some bird dog guys, tell us a little bit about you yeah. real quick before we wrap up. Sure. Well, any, you know, all you got to do these days is drop off the www. Just look up hunting dog pod. Hang on a minute. Look up hunting dog podcast, and uh, you, you you'll get there. But what we started, what I started a new venture, uh, f- almost two years ago now, was to film dog training in a format that's never been done before. So it's not like a DVD showing what it's supposed to look like with a finished dog or how to make a dog heal. It really shows puppy development, middle-aged development, high-level training, uh, the the oh-so-popular and controversial trained retrieve or force-breaking a dog. So we have a, a, a system out there called the Upland Institute, and, and that is it's really ideal for someone who's just getting a new pup. And, you know, I, I would imagine in the... I don't know if the bear hound in the, in the hound world, cat hound, fox hound is growing like the bird dog world is, but, but the bird dog world is just spilling out over the seams. And I get so many emails. I got a new dog. What do I do? Like they want, they get the dog before they even know how to hunt. And like you said, Jason, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're living in a shack and spending more on dog food and you didn't know what you were doing. So oh, yeah. we, we, uh, we put this together and it, it was a big budget item and we sell it online and it's three courses. And one of them is the foundation and fundamentals, which will get you through anything first year, second year of hunting. We have an advanced course that will teach you how to really steady up your dog. If you want them steady to wing shot and fall, which, you know, for, if you compete with your dog, it's certainly necessary. And if you hunt with your dog, it's really nice to have a somewhat steady dog. And then the trained retrieve is a standalone course, which so many people do. Uh, even people with natural retrievers want to make sure that retrieving is really neat. So, yeah, the Upland Institute is what we launched last May. Um, so it's it's in its infancy and it's 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 doing nice. It's 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 growing. And then of course the podcast. I'm in my seven and a half years now. I've been doing the podcast, and uh, and I promise to your listeners, if uh, I'll get. I'll do a minute. I'll have to have 15% hound episodes on. That'll be my goal for 2022 because uh, the few guys I've met, I think you guys are probably a lot more like me than you are like bird hunters. I mean, I, I feel like we'd be sitting together. We wouldn't want to get near a box of beer together because I think it could get a little <laughs> sideways. We always have a partner in our podcast that's called Train Wrecks. And <laughs> there's no shortage of train wrecks, man. We're around nope. when I'm ready to get a bunch of hound guys together. We're like, oh, that hurt. Like, I got a story for you. So that, yeah, I'm sure you guys, that's about the same. I wanted to do an extra an extra set of episodes called Dogs from Hell. Just with yeah. you know, the dogs that eat the kennels, eat the couch, <laughs> eat the There you go. Food. And train wrecks is a great you, yeah, you guys have to have a sub set of podcasts that just talks about a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. What was we just got a caller in the other day? What was the note on it, buddy? It said this caller was uh, this caller's not working. It was chewed on by a poor excuse of a no good hound dog or something like that. This guy wrote us a real nice note. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Equipment fails with dogs. There we go. There's another one. Yeah. All right. Next time we'll do a combo show of of dogs from hell and train wrecks. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, plenty of plenty of stories to go there. We gotta get a, a beer and all that. But uh, all right. So anyway, Man, yeah, Ron- let's, I I really appreciate you guys for setting this up, 
and uh, in making the time to do it. And I hope everybody, when they need their next Garmin, I can't say anything else, but you guys sell more than just Garmin. You sell a lot more than Garmin. Um, no Inotech collars. I'm, I'm no not Inotech. selling the Inotech collars, man. No, it, none of that. It, I don't I don't care. I, I had an Inotech bird launcher that worked. <laughs> oh, I did. I, I can tell you their collars. Their collars didn't go more than a hundred yards, and I, I, I doubled down on that thing so many times. I was like, I, I, I don't know how many times I bought a crappy system, but yeah. Now well, anyway, I'm on the Tritronics Garmin deal. For my my listeners, check out Double U, uh, and we're gonna try to work up something down the road. Everybody, of course, wants discounts and all that stuff, and MSRP is MSRP. But I I do want to work with you guys someday to have. Uh, maybe throw in my famous beer coasters, which you can bring to the bar by your, you know, you can bring your own beer coasters or t-shirts or some, I want to do something when uh, a customer of mine, we need to work on a t-shirt. We need to work on a a t-shirt. I think that's, we were talking about that before. Let's, let's work on a t-shirt that people can, can buy to promote both you guys and, and, and us and and we'll figure something cool out to do with a t-shirt. If your listeners or whatever, got any ideas, I don't know how to make. You're joking because I'm like, I don't know how to make a bird dog shirt cool because I just not. I, I have a bird dog, and I, but your guys got to tell us how to make it look cool. Like that's the part that we need your guys' help with. Make a let's make a cool bird dog shirt or bird, bird hunting dog podcast shirt, and uh, and then we'll we'll figure out something fun to do together on it. Sounds great, guys. All right. All right. 